Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's me. I'm Taz. And uh, thank you for downloading this episode of The Taz Show. Much appreciated. You know, I love you. You're doing this either uh, at Apple Podcasts or Radio.com, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you're pulling The Taz Show into your life, which is a big thing to me, which I very much appreciate. And if you're not subscribed already to my content, what are you doing? What have you been doing? Where you been? We're way north of 700 episodes. Some people would deem me the pod god, but I gave that gimmick to somebody else. A good friend of mine who is in this episode. Actually, he's here now. Please welcome Conrad Thompson, uh, the pod god himself, Connie Jones. Conrad, what's up, bro? Connie Jones? (laughs) Connie Jones. What the hell? You don't like that one? No, it's fine. It's not that good, to be honest with you. We've had a plethora of, well, this is not good English. Well, you're from Alabama, maybe it is. A plethora of better Joneses. Boy. That's probably not good English, right? Boy, weren't you a professional broadcaster once upon a time? I I think I remember hearing something about that. I kind of still am. I do host a national radio show, I mean, at the present time. So I, and I've been doing that for a couple of years. I also am one of the best podcasters in the world. Um, so uh, I humbly say, but you, sir, if anyone's better than me uh, and most successful, it's probably you. I mean, with all of your success, with with your, the work you do with 83 weeks, weeks with Eric Bischoff, Tony Schiavone, the new On Show with my friend On Anderson. Who am I missing? Of course, Grilling with JR, uh, another one of my, my amigos. Who am I missing? Who am I missing? Who am I missing? Oh, the Bruce Pritchett. Heel. The heel, Bruce Pritchett. Something to wrestle. That one. The heel, Bruce Pritchett. Yeah. I'm not arguing that. Definitely a heel. What was the deal, bro, with this? Remember I sent you a text the other day. Uh, someone gave me some information saying that Bruce, I don't know where he did this. Apparently, it wasn't on any of the content you do with Bruce. He said something like that WWE, when I wrestled there, was trying to teach me the WWE way by having me wrestle Jerry the King Lawler. Is this true? Um, I don't remember hearing that. That annoys me. That annoys me. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember that. Ah. Well, speaking of Jared King Lowell, before we talk uh, a little more about some of the news going on, did you see my little receipt that uh, on the uh, on the Twitter yeah, yesterday on Jerry Lola? Finally, it took me twenty two years, but I got him. What, what, let's talk about this. You, <laughs> you have had something in your back pocket, a receipt, as you call it, for twenty two years, <laughs> bro. I was waiting. <laughs> Waiting, waiting. By this point, this receipt looked like a fucking old pirate treasure map, folded around. X marks the spot. It's so funny to me that you even remember that comment. 
do you think you'll ever get a response out of your your great close personal friend jerry the king lawler he actually did bro he actually did respond and he actually put me over he had no choice for those that don't know what the hell we're fucking talking about um somebody a, a wrestling fan on twitter um and i wasn't even in this that's the best part conrad i was not even in this tweet jerry lawler follows me i follow jerry lawler right so we go way back and shit so um, so I see Jerry Lola retweets this thing. It's an on camera, like a screenshot of an on camera from Raw with uh, himself standing next to uh, Vic uh, Vic Joseph, who's tall, and Dio Madden. Uh, I don't know if he's still the commentator on the thing. Or you haven't seen him. Who's like six foot six or six foot seven? He's like a giant guy. So Jerry Lola looks like a little teeny guy on this on camera. So some fans had never thought the King was so short until he stood next to Vic and Dio. And uh, and I saw this, and I'm like, motherfucker, here I come. Bro, human suplex machine, one-man crime spree, orange and black attack, 1996. Watch the fuck out. And I come back, and I'm sitting. I'm here. It is the receipt, Conrad. I and mean, here we go. And I put out there, hey, Jerry Lawler. Of course, I tag him because I have balls. You look a lot bigger on the Lucky Charms box. <laughs> now, for those that don't remember... You know, Jerry Lawler had hit me with that zinger while I was wrestling Mikey Whipwreck in the Manhattan Center, live on Monday Night Raw, that invasion gimmick, the first one. And he zinged me, unbeknownst to me, doing commentary. So he came back, Jerry Lawler, with this. Ha, ha, ha. Taz with the receipt. I had that coming. You're damn fucking right. You did, Lawler. You're damn right. 22 years. Dude, this is the same guy if I was to say, hey, man, what'd you have for breakfast on Tuesday? You don't fucking remember? I really don't. 22 years ago. Yeah. Elephants don't forget, and neither does Taz. No, no, they don't, brother. And because, you know what? You know, just the way it goes. You know, and and that's all right. That's right. Now I move on because I won. It took me. Bro, I get get even, and you know me. I got a lot of people I got to get receipts on. There's a list. Okay, there's a list. You're not on it. You were on it. You somehow worked your way off of it. That's okay. why we're here now. Yes. I'm a hell of a salesperson. Well, that. Starcast does wonders. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad it does wonders for somebody because I do not have another one planned. I yeah, what four. the hell? Why? Could you explain that? Why? I did four, man. You know, it's like they should have stopped Rocky after Rocky four. It was the best mm. one. They're never going to beat that. And I feel like I feel like Conan on WCW TV, circa two thousand. That's enough. <laughs> That's enough, bro. You got to bring Stark Starkist back eventually. You can't, it's not just going bye bye Jones, right? Well, every now and again, I just need a break, Jones. You know, it's not like. First mm. of all, you know that I'm working from the time I wake up till I go to bed, and then you're like Conrad, come be a guest on my show this week. Yeah, I don't have fucking anything else to do. I don't have. <laughs> 15 podcasts and 94 mortgage branches and i don't know and, and a wife and kids and dogs ah who needs sleep let's do the task show too i love how you said it and a wife like <laughs> i've met your wife she's a beautiful woman and she's a great person i mean that you're like and a wife oh, well, man. Here's the deal. she's great to you she has <laughs> expectations of me 
<laughs> I understand that. I, I have a wife, too, who's similar. Um, so I get that. Uh, no, well, this, this past StarCast in Baltimore was a blast, dude. I had fun. I mean, it was a different feel, different vibe than Vegas, but not in a negative way. It's It was a more uh, Rams Head Live Jones, the place that we had it at, you had it at. It was like um, more of an intimate type of feel, a little smaller, obviously, than fucking, what were you, in Caesars or wherever we were in Vegas? Where was that? Caesars Palace was sprawling, and, you know, it I don't mean to disparage Baltimore, but Las Vegas is more of a vacation destination, especially on a big holiday weekend like that. This is the fucking cold right on the set of the wire. So this is not the same thing. Yeah. Hood Jones. We call that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's a little hood. (laughs) So yeah, but you know what? It was a hell of a turnout. There was a lot of people there, a lot of awesome fans. They were there to see AW full gear the next day. Well, Saturday night, I should say. Um, and I had a great opportunity, thanks to, to you and your team, the, um, the Jurassic Express live Taz show, even though it wasn't called a Taz show from your people, it was called a boy and his dinosaur and like this little kind of gimmick photo of my head in the corner. I, and the way you sold it to me, oh, bro, we're going to do a fucking Taz show. Yeah, Jungle Boy, uh, Luchasaurus, Marco's son, Taz, it's going to be fucking great. And you put it over, you said we're going to have a Jeep, we're going to have a safari on the stage, we're going to have fucking uh, palm trees. You said they bring like a different like rhinoceroses and snakes and alligators. You didn't do shit. It was me putting these guys over for a fucking hour. Anyway. Greatest salesman you know. Greatest salesman you know. You hoodwinked the shit out of me with that, bro. I never told you that. That's my Kazahajime. <laughs> so, no, listen. Uh, the, uh, the whole theme behind Friday was uh, AEW style, AEW Jones. Right. And, uh, yeah, we wanted to showcase one of the hottest acts, the Jurassic Express. And uh, you were like, okay, I'll do something. And you picked them. So I thought, hey, we called the lat. In fairness, you know that I... Uh, I'm big on it, Starcast. I want to do a different type show every time. And yes. We had just done the Taz show the last time we had you. I wanted to do something that sounded different, but me and you know, it was really the same as the Taz show. Just yeah, I guess so. Else. Yeah, I guess so. I wasn't pushed as well as I wanted to be, to be honest with you. I felt it was more about Muda and stuff like that, and it was more about uh, staying with the American uh, red, white, and blue Jones paint, and I felt like I was just an afterthought. Kind of hurt, to be honest with you. Hurt, but it's okay. I got over it. I'm good. In fairness, you picked when we announced you. Why does everything have to be the truth? Don't you understand when you podcast, it's a great opportunity to just bullshit. No, no. I'm just saying, I was teasing you. We announced at 632. I don't know how many people picked up on that, but you, you and I did. That's pretty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was you and I, but you know what? I think, I think if you and I ever do a podcast together, we should drop it at six thirty two. Bro, let me tell you, you, you listen, I, uh, you're a smart guy and you're creative and, and, uh, I pride myself on being kind of creative cat myself, but I gotta tell you as every once in a while. You'll outdo me, and you just did it right there. There's a chance. You never know that you and I maybe do a podcast. You never know what 2020 brings. We're on the cusp of that. And um, shit, man, dropping it at 632. Now, here's the question. Do we drop it at 632? Because I have two questions. Do we drop it at 632 p.m. or 632 a.m.? A.m., Jones. Okay, so we, there's another way, so you don't overdo the Jones. You go Morning City Jones. That covers that. You throw City in there, right? So a little hint. Got so it. okay, so we do AM Jones. See what I just did there, right? Yes, yeah, right. you're fucking with me. 
<laughs> and then, but what about this? Is it 6.32 p.m. Eastern a.m. this is, or is it Central Pacific? Where are we? Uh, a.m. Sadie Jones. No, I need the fucking time zone, G. I mean, I, I'm in, you're in the Central time zone. I'm in the Eastern. Listen, the world operates on Eastern time, at least here in America. These motherfuckers right. on the left coast, they've gotten used to, okay, that's what time it airs, take three hours off. I one hour behind you. Okay, that's what time of day is. Take one hour off. So like when I'm when I'm in Baltimore for Starcast, I was like, oh, what time's the LSU game? I'm like two thirty. They're like, no, it's three thirty. I'm like, what the fuck ever. My watch still says two thirty. <laughs> All right, so we've established where I live runs the world. Got yes. it. Okay, so we're gonna drop at six thirty. If we if if we ever have a podcast, we drop it at six thirty two a.m. Eastern. That's what we're doing. And for some that don't know what the the significance of six thirty two, I mean, I think they, we need to educate the audience. I know you know because it was your idea, um, but maybe some of your fans aren't too familiar with my history. Maybe they don't know. Should I tell them? Or you want me? You want to tell them? You far off. Okay. So back in the day, um, when I was running rough shot and ECW and badass motherfucker. I humbly said it myself, but that was the character. I was an angry fucking dude, sawed off Jones, pissed at the world. And so I was flipping guys off in the ring. And I was doing this before, like everybody, you know, and 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 this stuff that we were doing ECW and a lot of stuff was Paul Heyman's idea. And, you know, all this jazz and, and my attitude, I had a big chip on my shoulder and it all worked. And then Steve Austin, a f- good friend of mine, uh, he was just recently here on the Taz show, by the way. And uh, he came to ECW for a quick stop, worked some shows, did good stuff. But this was when, as you know, Conrad, he came from WCW and he was doing, what was it, Stunning Steve Austin, I believe? That's right. And then your buddy, Eric Bischoff, fired him via fax, correct? That's Well, FedEx, same thing. Okay. So it's kind of not the same thing, but I guess, again, you're in Alabama, so it might be the same thing to you. So, okay. So what happens is Steve Austin's angry and he's trying to find this, you know, disgruntled character or whatever. But when he comes to ECW, he didn't have it yet. He was still in that blonde hair deal with WCW and and he was pissed at Bischoff and pissed at everyone. But, you know, we were all younger and full of gumption and all this shit. And then he gets the opportunity to go to WWF at the time, not WWE, obviously. And he still, for those that don't know, he was not doing Stone Cold Steve Austin. He didn't have the, he wasn't doing that. He was doing the, uh, God help me, Comrade. What was his gimmick name? The Ringmaster. Thank you. But his head wasn't bald yet, right? He kind of had like a short cropped crew cut. Yeah, he had the buzz cut like Bruce Willis and Pulp Fiction 96. There you go. Still, through everything Steve Austin's done, his time in world class, his time all over the world, Japan, his time in WCW, uh, if he was with the Dangerous Alliance or Stunning Steve Austin or Ringmaster Jones, whatever he was in ECW, everyone knew Steve could work his ass off. He was a hardworking motherfucker in the ring and a stud in the ring. And um, he had a lot of rage in him. And um, he went to WWE, had the big success, wins the gimmick, and then put the thing down with Michael Hayes and says, Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. Now, everybody knows that story. That's where it comes into, well, I never usually copy anyone. I didn't copy, but I knew Steve was doing the middle finger gimmick. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I was doing the middle finger first, but that's okay. He's my friend. He's my boy. I knew Steve. And I'm like, well, I got to do something a little better because that's what the human suplex machine back then would do. So I came up with 632, and I told Heyman, I, you know, 
fucking Steve does this Austin 316 thing and WWE's pushing it and it's getting over. This is when it just started. And he's like, 632. I go, yeah. He goes, oh, wow, that's fucking pretty cool. That's, yeah, 316, <laughs> you know, uh, added up together, comes out to fucking 632. And he's like, this could work. Do it. Let's do it. Let's do some shirts. Do whatever you want to do. And we ran with it. And that's what 632 is twice as pissed. So I never mentioned Steve Austin like on a shirt. I never did any of that. I know you know all this. I'm just saying for people that don't know. And it was Taz 632 twice as pissed. So you, Conrad, being a historian on the industry, being a student of the game, you remember that and you come up with the 632. There you go. There you go. And I like, and by the way, in case you weren't paying attention, the fine folks listening to the Taz show. You learned today that Taz created the middle finger. It didn't <laughs> exist before him. He was the first person to shoot a bird in history that happened on or around 1995. Okay, so now you're going to be a jack off. So here's the thing. Okay. I never even implied that I fucking invented the middle finger. I did strongly say I did it first. What I meant was that I fucking did it first in wrestling from what i understand in front of people does, does that make more sense yes but didn't you know that yeah i'm just busting balls i mean listen it's like i also learned that there's an r in the word idea i'm just learning <laughs> a lot of things with you today okay you're gonna fuck with my accent all right i got it i so. don't have an accent you do oh bullshit half the I, time i'm talking i don't know what the fuck you're saying well, listen, luckily for you, when we do a show one day, there's going to be video and we're going to put uh closed captioning on and, and, and my listeners will know what you're saying. And, uh, well, everybody knows what I'm saying. They well, well here's the thing. You have right. Cause I've had, a, yeah, I think that my listeners and when I was doing live video back in the day, when my show was daily, I think fans just start they just started to understand my i mean i have really bad obviously new york accent heavy brooklynese accent my whole life it just the, you, did you know about the story with vince when he find me did you hear about this no. for saying ain't you didn't, never heard the story no oh bro perfect opportunity here to tell you a little little story boys and girls pull up your stools it is now time for taz tales so this is what happens, Conrad, okay? So we, um, JR, XJR, he was there. He was there in the production meeting. This was after a pay-per-view, and we were at Raw. Now, I wasn't working on Raw, but I was in a meeting. I was in a production meeting. Michael Cole was there, too. They had both announced teams at both shows then, and JR and King were fixing the call. Raw, obviously. Vince was pissed, and he went on like a tirade uh, about the night before that he's tired of hearing the word ain't, ain't, <clears throat> A-I-N-T. Ain't is not a real word. It's just bad grammar. It's bad It's bad slang, yada, yada. And he got on me and JR and said, both you guys say ain't too much. And the next time one of you guys say it, I'm fining you $150. So we, I like laughed. JR didn't laugh. JR knew he was serious. I thought he was fucking around. Because I'm that serious. This is in front of like basically the whole production team. I'm like, all right. I go, well, it's, it is a word. He goes, no, it's not. I go, ain't no mountain high enough. Everybody left. And Vince goes, ah, that was funny. He goes, but that don't matter. That's in a song, not in real life. I'm like, Vince, it's a word. He goes, it's not a word. He goes, well, here it's not a word. So if you say it on the program, you, on SmackDown, you're getting fined $150. I'm like, all right, fuck. So now it's a challenge. Weeks go by. Two, three weeks go by. Four weeks. I'm not saying ain't. Michael Cole's keeping an eye on me. The whole thing. JR's not saying ain't. We're good to go. I cannot remember the pay-per-view. 
it was it, the SmackDown. Well, the SmackDown match was the main event match. So Michael Cole and I called it, and we knocked. That's when we we're doing dual matches. Remember, and we knocked it at the park. We had a really good call, and um, and we're going gorillas at the end of the show. I feel like Batista was in this match. I don't know why. And and we had the uh, we were the last ones to go into the gorilla. The announcers usually are. In the in the, the go position, and everybody's happy. It was a good show. Everybody's having a Vince is laughing. This is all again just the show just ended. People are still filing out, and Vince sees me and my co goes, "Holy shit, fuck! You guys did a great job. <laughs> great job. What a call! Oh my god, he's putting us over. Like usually, you don't get put over that much, you know." And I'm like, "Yeah, feeling good, right? Feeling good. Yeah, yeah, yeah." And I go, "Vince, how about this too? I I, I can't believe it. I even said ain't, and and I start laughing. Right? My co looks at me and and Vince goes, "You said ain't." And then Cole just walks away, gone, right? <laughs> and I stooge myself off. I go, uh, yeah, I did think in a main event. It was all. Now he gets on a headset. He goes, Kevin, uh, can we rack it back? to Like, he asked me what match it was. I'm like, oh, do you fucking believe this guy? Sure enough, he has Kevin rack it back, the audio, and he hears it back. He goes, all right, you owe me $150. There's nobody in Gorilla except now. Everybody left, like walked out of Gorilla, except me. I think Briscoe was in a Jerry Briscoe and Vince. I go, you really want my hundred fifty dollars after this show? I admitted. He goes, you stood yourself off, pal. You know better than that. You've been around. Ha <laughs> ha! Come on, you owe me one fifty. You can give it to me tomorrow night uh, at Raw again. This was like, I said, Vince, you really want this hundred fifty dollars? Because you're damn right. Deal's a deal, Taz. You know better than that. You're a Brooklyn guy. And I said. Don't move. He goes, don't move. I fucking go to the locker room, bro. Pissed. I go into my fucking wallet. I don't have 150 cash. I had whatever the fuck. I don't remember. I had, let's say I had $65, and I think it was Kurt Angle nearby. I said, dude, I'll pay you. We'll hit an eight. We were driving together. I said, give me some cash. And he hooked me up. And I go back to Gorilla, and I give Vitz the fucking money. I go, put your hand. I give him the 150 he goes, what are you hot about? It's a fucking deal. I go, you need it more than me, I guess. He takes the money. He goes, thank you. He puts it in his pocket, and he laughs at me and walks away. That's the story. How fucked up. You know, it checks out. It makes sense. It it, it checks out with everything I've uh, I've ever heard about Vince McMahon. I've only shook his hand once, but coincidentally, I met him in 2014, right before a pay-per-view. I was with Rick, and he said, oh, hey, I want to introduce you. Uh, this is my friend Conrad Thompson. He's from Alabama, big fan. And he shook my hand and I told him, you know, Hey man, really appreciate everything you've done. Thanks for all the entertainment. And he says, great to meet you, Conrad. That'll be $150. <laughs> and I looked at Rick and Rick just shrugged his shoulders and he's like, he's a billionaire for a reason. So I had a meet and greet with Vince McMahon <laughs> on the ramp of a pay-per-view. It was $150. Is that a shoot story? Mm-hmm. Dude, I did not know that. How funny is that? You didn't know my story. I didn't know yours, and it's both about $150. So you know I'm shooting because I didn't know that. So apparently this son of a bitch is obsessed with a buck and a half. He's a billionaire. I don't know what he's got. Uh, maybe the maybe the bottle of Dom he drinks after the shows every night on his chair yeah. is 150 <laughs> I don't know. But 100 and a half is what it takes to make uh, the chairman happy. Yeah, bro. I mean, uh, God, I'll never forget that, man. And the next day I see him and he tells the story in production meeting. He goes, yeah, Taz is all hot at me because he said ain't and he stooged himself off. And he starts laughing. Of course, everybody else is fucking cracking up laughing. He goes, Vince is laughing. Everybody's laughing. And it's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, you got me good. He goes, You're still hot, pal. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, I go, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. And I and I told JR, I said to JR, uh, after me, I go, yeah, I stooged myself off. Why the hell did you do that? I go, I don't know, Cheryl. 
JR, such a support staff, you know? So, <laughs> well, because, you know, you thought he was kidding around. Who would have ever guessed that a guy worth billions of dollars is actually going to enforce a silly stipulation like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. That, that, that was, uh, by the way, um, speaking of forget, did you forget what we do here on the Taz show at times? No, I did not. I'm ready, but I'm calling an audible. Hold on a second. You know what this music means? Waterberg Tone. Look at you. Look at you. Looky here. Here we go. Good chance you're having a little southern comfort, though. I got a feeling it's not water. You're not drinking water, bro. I know you're drinking something a little little higher proof. Oh, my God. What are you, a watermelon? (laughs) Jesus. Yep. Wait, hold on a second. I, I'm still drinking. Hang on a second. I can't drink and listen at the same time. Hold on a second. All right, Brian, cut it off, Brian. Cut it. Sorry. Bad production system there. What'd you say now? I was just saying. Yeah. You know, you, you've, uh, you've told me privately that you basically created wrestling podcasting and that every idea that's <laughs> ever existed in the genre was stolen from you and ripped off from you. And, uh, <sighs> I just realized you've innovated yet again. Yep. Uh, listen, you, uh, you are ASMR Taz. I have not invented everything. No, in no, rest- I, I Googled it. You did invent the front face lock and the side headlock takeover. I did not invent those. I can apply them perfectly. I can assure you still at 52. I can, I can fuck somebody up, but that's a whole nother story. But I'm telling you, as far as in wrestling podcasting, I did not invent everything. Most of what people are doing, creative concepts and type of, uh, you know, everything except for the typical guest spots uh, I've invented. So I don't even look at you as a guest. You're you're my friend. So yeah. (laughs) today let's let's be appreciative of our relationship this is also the guy who uh raised his voice at me not too terribly long ago and said just because i can't bump doesn't mean i can't bump you you big motherfucker so i think you have like a paul varlins flashback and yeah listen i've never i've never i have been choked out but it's been since high school since i was choked out and uh, it would be an honor and a privilege if you were to choke me out one day. But I'm hopeful that I can avoid that. Were you at the, uh, speaking of getting choked out, were you at the, the, I know you were at Tony Schiavone's roast, obviously you hosted the roast, but were you there when that thing happened, or what apparently happened with Jimmy Havoc and um, Excalibur? Yes. You witnessed the whole thing? Was it, I, I mean. I witnessed the whole thing. I witnessed the aftermath and uh, was immediately told what really happened. And of course, you know, the old telephone, telegram, telewrestler happened. And I think, I think Jim Cornette even speculated that the heat was Jimmy Havoc had posted a picture of Excalibur without his mask. And that is not true. Uh, that mm. is not what the beef was. And other people are saying, oh, this person choked that person out. And this person knocked that person out. And a lot of that is just, you know, people hyping up the story to make it sound more sensational than it really was. Gotcha. Well, we've talked about this before. That's like the Rob Van Dam story. Like Rob Van Dam basically years ago put the boots to me, split my skull open, broke my jaw, broke my back, beat me up, threw me into the sewer, hit me with a bus, threw me into a truck. So that's, yeah, that's that's usually what happened. true because it was in the torch. 
Uh, I want to mention that uh, there is video of said incident out there. Of the thing with Havoc and uh, and yeah. Excalibur? Yeah. Well, I like both those guys. I consider them both friends. I, I, I was pissed when I heard what happened, but I, I'm assuming, because I wasn't there, but I'm assuming both... Both those guys, they were probably drinking a little bit, having a good time, right? No, let's let's run through that. Not only were they, this is the end of the day. The restaurant should have been closed. Like John, the owner of Jimmy's, had kept it open just because it was a bunch of the boys, you know? So I wasn't in their room. Let's tell the whole story, I guess, once we're here. We're, we're doing a roast of Tony Schiavone. It's part of his birthday celebration. Right. AEW is in town, of course. Everybody in wrestling goes to Jimmy's famous seafood to eat. And so Tony had reserved like one of the back rooms, gigantic table, the whole AEW crew come hang out. So it's a who's who, you know, JR. When you say Tony, you mean Tony Schiavone. I mean, Tony Khan. Oh, Tony Khan. Okay. Okay. Tony Khan had reserved the whole thing for AEW. Tony's party is upstairs in the big ballroom upstairs. And there's a little platform and a stage and one by one roasters are coming up. But before they do that, we're just playing a, a silly video and we've got a cake presentation and. You know, Lois flew up Tony Schiavone's wife for a big surprise reveal. She was oh, not, nice. He did not know she was going to be there. Uh, she's a borderline recluse, doesn't leave Marietta. So it's a big deal for her to be in Baltimore. Well, in the middle of all this. So hold Tony, on a second. Tony Schiavone's wife and I have something in common. Yeah. You both have agoraphobia. <laughs> all right. Continue, Haas. So Tony Khan struts ass in and uh, I jump up and I'm like, oh my God, Tony, what's going on, man? How are you? We shake hands and he makes his way over to the head table. He's seated by Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross and Lois Schiavone. Eventually MJF comes by. Um, Jeff Jones. Shocking. Shocking. A handful of AEW folks at our table, including, you know, the, the broadcast team, JR and Tony Schiavone, not Excalibur, but uh, so it's, it's a crowded table. The, the Crockett's were there, the whole deal. And, uh, Mark Madden gets up to do the roast. He starts taking some shots at everybody. As you do at a roast, he eventually wants to clarify and says, Tony Khan's not here. Is he? And a few people point to where Tony's sitting. And then Mark Madden says, well, fuck it. Here goes. And he starts roasting Tony Khan. Eventually, mm. Tony shouts back some some pretty smart ass things. Him and Mark Madden have a fun exchange back and forth. Mark Madden finishes his set. It is the most awkward thing ever because everybody's like, "Wow, Tony came to a Starcast thing. This was pretty cool." In actuality, he's there to support Tony Schiavone and help celebrate Tony Schiavone's birthday and blah blah blah. Scott Hudson gets up. He does his set, and when he finishes, Tony Khan excuses himself and the rest of the AEW brethren, except for Jim Ross. So. Maxwell Jacob Friedman leaves, uh, Jeff Jones leaves, uh, Raphael Morphy leaves, everybody but JR leaves because JR wants to finish the roast so he can say a few things himself. And then he goes downstairs. And when JR sits down, it's a full AEW crew Jimmy Havoc, Kip Sabian, uh, you know, the whole, the whole shooting match. Darby right. Allen, Joey Janelle, right. everybody's there. So by the time all the festivities finish, we've got a live band next door upstairs. We're going to do Tony Schiavone karaoke. They're doing karaoke already. And Tony says, I'm going to, uh, or I invite Tony. And I said, Hey, come downstairs. Let's have dinner with the Schiavone family. And so we had a little room next to where, 
uh, the AEW room was. So we had all of Tony's kids and Tony's wife and my wife and Dave Silva and his wife, and we're eating dinner together. And that's when, you know, the skirmish happened. No big deal. Uh, and then when we finished our meal, Tony went upstairs, sang a few songs for karaoke and we were done. But that was it. the report that, uh, Eric Bischoff accidentally gave, uh, incorrectly is that Tony was offended by what Mark Madden said and stormed off. He did leave, but he left after the next guy and it was to go downstairs for his dinner reservation. He wasn't supposed to even be in the party. He didn't eat. He didn't have a drink. <clears throat> he just wanted to stop by and say hello to Tony Schiavone and pay his respects to the party and then go down to his dinner reservation with the rest of his crew. Yeah. When I heard all that stuff and I was in Baltimore, but I wasn't at the roast, but you know, when I heard, cause I heard a lot of that stuff too, that, that Tony Khan got upset and storm, got upset and stormed out. I was like, wait a second. I mean, I don't know Tony Khan that well. I've obviously met him and we've talked several times. So I feel like I'm, I'm starting to get to know him much better than I did six months ago and he is not just a great guy but he is just he's a funny guy and he's uh but when it's time to be serious he's serious he's a good guy he's he's he can be self-deprecating just like you can just like i can so i didn't i mean again i wasn't asked i don't know what happened but hearing you break it down i'm I'm glad you you cleared it up because i know there's been some it's been a little cloudy of what exactly happened during that roast and it was if tony was calm was mad so it's good to hear that you know you broke it down the right way you know well, here's the thing too. I, I've known Tony for, I don't know, five years or so. Tony's not a sensitive guy. He has a good right. sense of humor. Right. Go right. Back and forth with you. He understands a roast as a roast. In fact, he was roasting Mark Madden back. Now, did I egg that on the next day with Mark Madden? Of course. So I'm right. telling Mark Madden, I'm like, boy, you have really pissed off uh, Tony Khan, man. You, you're never getting a job in AEW. And he's like, well, I don't fucking want one. I'm like, well. Where do you work now? iHeartRadio, and he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Well, their valuation is about like a tenth of his of his value, so or his net worth. So he may buy the whole. He may buy fucking iHeartMedia just to fire your fucking ass." <laughs> like, he, so I'm egging it on the next day. That's Mark, funny shit. That's funny <laughs> because he, you know Mark Madden's like, "Well, fuck him. What's he gonna do?" I, he can't right, right. I'm in iHeartRadio. I'm like, bro, they're worth like a billion and. Tony's family is worth a multiple. You're fucked. I mean, I heard they're trying to put through a sale this afternoon. Oh, Scott Hudson hours later. He's like, did you guys see the news? We're like, what? He's like, I heart media just sold. And Mark Madden's like, what? He's like group out of Jacksonville. And then he realizes we're fucking with him. So that's tremendous. We egged it on a little bit. Like, how dare you? But oh man, that's funny. Mark Madden, but Tony didn't give a shit one way or another. That's cool. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, you know, and like you laid it out, things, stories. It's all such bullshit all the time. P- things get exaggerated. It's the typical wrestling bullshit, and that's what happens, uh, bro. We gotta go to break here. Uh, all side of break, we're gonna talk a little bit about. I know you watched WWE backstage. I want to get your opinion on that because I know CM Punk was on there. And everybody's talking about that. We gotta touch on what's going on with the NWA and and and, and everything with Jim Cornette. So we'll hit that too. Uh, you can stick around, right, Haas? Let's do it. All right, Taz Show. Here we got my man Conrad, Conrad Thompson, sitting in with your boy here. We're right back. Sit tight. All right, Jobbers, we're back here. Taz show and uh got my man Comrade Thompson in the house. Connie Jones, we're good? 
What up, what up, what up? Yeah, bro. So, uh, yeah, so I didn't get a chance to watch WWE backstage. I haven't really watched a lot of them, I have to be honest. As you know, I, I'd done a couple of, they had me go out to LA a couple of times for that thing there during the summer, and I dealt with those Fox folks a lot. And it kind of just, you know, I don't know, I just, I'm not, you know, I'm, I guess once I started doing some stuff with AEW, maybe I was on the Do Not Disturb list. Wink, wink, right? Um, you think so? Maybe. <laughs> Regardless, uh, you know, at the present time, I do morning radio, very early morning sports radio, drive, morning drive. So on the air at 6 a.m. So I usually hit the hay kind of early. So I didn't, I missed the CM Punk deal that uh, his, uh, you know, when he was on, I know he did a sit down interview with Renee. Um, how'd it go? I mean, that, what is he saying he's getting back in the ring, or what is he saying? Is he still saying that he he works for Fox, not WWE, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. He's saying that uh, his contract is with Fox. He hasn't spoken with anyone from WWE, and um, right now, getting back in the ring doesn't interest him. But at forty-one years old, he's learned uh, not to say never. So he's not going to say never, but. You know, when he watches the show, he sees the same product he left, and that's not very exciting to him. Well, first off, I disagree with him. I don't think it's the same product since he left. And, I, you know, I mean, he, he was a tremendous character and, and, and a good worker in the ring for sure. And I know Punk, you know, but um, I do think you you can't – you got to give respect to those that are, that are in the grind right now for those men and women that are in their prime now. I believe in that. Um, and I also will tell you, just dealing with Fox, yeah, I – I, you know, and that's the battle cry. And I've talked about it here on my show before that it's the whole, you know, it's a Fox show. It's a Fox show. It's not WWE. It's not WWE. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't, I, I don't think WWE is just saying hands off on everything. You guys do what you got to do. Cause everybody who's signed to the show are all people that are, were previously and already and currently under some sort of WWE contract, except punk. And, um, Ryan Satin, he was another guy who wasn't, but he's not, you know, he's a reporter from the business. And you know Ryan, I know Ryan, he's a good guy. But I'm saying he's not like a former wrestler or a current wrestler or a former broadcaster from the business from working formerly with WWE. So I think the only ones that I saw out there, the two times I was auditioning, uh, there was no non-WWE people, contracted people, except CM Punk. But when I was out there, Punk wasn't there. He came into the fold afterwards. So I don't, for me, I, I think that it's pretty, I, I don't want to speak for Punk. It's, you know, it's it's his business. And I think it's if he gets back into business and he's back with WWE wrestling or shooting an angle, it seems like they're doing something with Seth Rollins and him. That's what it seems like, at least on social media. I, I think it's good. I think CM Punk is good for wrestling. I think it's good, you know, um, but I don't, I'm just telling you, my opinion, I don't buy the whole, what anybody says, not just Punk, that it's all a WWE show. I'm sorry, all a Fox show. I, I'm sorry. I don't, I, agree, I I know he's telling the truth about his contract. His contract's with Fox because the contract I was going to have was with Fox. Well, he did but, shit on the show. What's that? He did shit on the show. Like in how? How did he shit on the show? Like they, they had the whole SmackDown segment where they, they dressed the kid up as a dog and put a Roman shirt on him and it came out dressed as the big dog you remember that segment from last week yeah it was yes so he he said come on that was terrible nobody liked this this wasn't very good this was this was the worst it doesn't belong on the show you know we're better than that the creative for this was just awful 
And Booker T was like, really? You didn't like that? And Punk's like, Booker, you liked that? And so then Paige is like, well, come on or whatever. And then he leans over to her and he's like, seriously, you liked that page. And she eventually, you know, told the tale with her face. Like, no, I didn't really like it either. So if, if they are working it, they're working it smartly. Well, here's the way this works. And I'm glad you shared that with me because I didn't see that. So I appreciate you doing that. Here's now my take on that. And I know I should watch it. Maybe I will. Yeah. Fuck it. I don't have to watch it. You just tell me what happened. But, um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Here's the thing. Uh, that was, I, in my view, that's great for that first one. Now, if I know he's going to be there periodically, I don't think he's going to be there every week unless I miss something. Yeah, sporadically, uh, I think, is the word they used. Okay, so sporadically, periodically, what have you. Yeah. If he does that every time, then cool. If he's going to be that antagonist, if he's going to be that lightning rod guy, if he's going to be that bombastic guy, cool. I don't, I picture it toning down each time because there's going to get just think about the logistics just to, listen bruce pritchett is let's let's call a spade a spade he's one of your best friends yeah i mean you, you guys do an ultra successful show something to wrestle right we got it i mean and bruce is the guy in charge next events the guy in charge of smackdown i'm sure bruce wasn't happy or is not happy i'm not going to ask you if, you if you talk to him it's none of my business but i'm sure bruce wouldn't be happy with that here and that's somebody no matter if it's punk or anybody or me if i was on uh, on uh backstage if i bashed the, the gimmick with the kid and the, the thing with the roma reigns and the, the big dog and all that you, you you're not going to want anyone bashing that on something that's part of your programming with your logo all over the fox logo you know what i mean like it's going to get to a point where, okay, fine, they get attention. Did they get a good rating, by the way, on the show? Yeah, they did uh, 189,000 viewers two weeks prior to Punk. They did 49,000 the week Punk debuted. They did 100,000. So Punk added about a hundred or about an 80,000 viewer increase this week. So <sighs> Punk's appearance is worth 80,000 week one. Wow. Wow, that's I, I and in defense to punk, I think it's tough because the day part, the night, the time it's on is Tuesday nights, right? Was eleven p.m. Well, hang on now. Two weeks prior to that, it was it was forty nine, and with punk, it's more than three times bigger. So I understand you said in defense of punk, but I don't think that like what's what's doing numbers on FS one? Like, what's your favorite FS one show? I couldn't tell you. Um, FS one yeah. fucking sucks, and nobody watches it. It's a make believe cable channel. It's ESPN light and every wrestling fan knows that hot take Jones. So, okay. So here's the thing I'm saying in defense to punk, because I do think that some folks and fans or maybe, maybe some people in, in, in Fox, maybe some people at WWE thought that maybe CM Punk could go there and pop a number and hit a million or something like that, or close to a million. And I think that's an ultra ambitious task. I'm not, I'm not saying I've heard that, but I know some people are looking for a big number. And I think that's unfair to, to anyone, not just CM Punk to think that I know you're not saying I'm just shooting the shit with you, but you know, Look, when you start out of the blocks that low, what was it, 49,000 uh, views, you said? Well, it was more than that originally, but it dipped to 49. And it's, you know, it's a new show. They're trying to find the right format. You know, they did a thing last night called Promo Class where they had uh, David Arquette come out and try to cut a promo on Booker uh, T. T and, and he tried to cut a promo on some of the members of the dais, and then it was Booker T's turn, and you know, all the, the, the castmates on the show, you know, gave a grade. So Ember Moon was a guest and, and Renee Young was obviously the host and Punk was there and Paige was there and they all gave 
a promo rating uh to each guy and and lord as hard as arquette tried it was just it was not good arquette's such a nice guy in real life he wanted to be a nice guy in the promo and they were probably expecting him to just double barrel them so even like when he said you know even i could kick your ass punk everybody else did you're owing to an mma or something like that he mm. walked it back and he was like, oh but you're such a great promo and you're just my hero and it's like hang on now if you're gonna do it double barrel him and right so the show was just they're trying things and i'll give them some time but i did enjoy the they ended the show with punk cutting a promo on tom arnold and then he slipped in a little comment to seth which feeds into your point that you think he's setting something up with seth well to shoot an angle seth rollins is jumping all over social media he has been it's definitely an angle i mean it's it's smart what they're doing and, and i think a lot of fans think it's a shoot uh, i don't think it is but you know what that's the business that's how you should try to work everybody here's the thing as far as the fs1 show and fox and the executives trying things you're right i could tell you being out there in la with those guys you know on a couple occasions when the auditions they were long and they were all different type of panels they tried all different type of stuff different stuff um uh we didn't do a promo thing but we did something i don't i don't feel comfortable giving all the details because i i didn't sign like a confidentiality agreement but i just you know i'm old school you know what i mean connie like i yeah i agree you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to give all the details, but we were doing a lot of different type stuff and a lot of stuff we were doing. I felt like, and I didn't say this to anybody because like I said, all these other people that I know for a long time were on the contract with WWE and I'm not. And I'm like, let me just keep my mouth shut. But some of the shit was hokey, man. And I felt like, man, this is not going to work. Um, it, it, you know, I, they, they, they kept, more or less saying or giving a feel like they wanted something that was, you know, definitely kind of breaking kayfabe and, and kind of being a little more sh- definitely shooty. And that's why they give you the name backstage and all that. It's tough to do that when you have that, that WWE brand, and that logo there. It's tough to do that with contracted talent. Those contracted talents, they got to protect themselves. You can't say nothing about their street cred or them. And they they got to, that's their job. They can't affect their future by um by giving um by shooting out there they can't they just can't so i don't i don't i I think right out of the box the name backstage is not the right name i just because it's not it's not you're not really pulling back the curtain that much i know there were some things that i said in the auditions we were were talking about different stuff during the show and the auditions were done very professionally and it was very organized i will tell you that and there were i was they just wanted me to be honest and i was honest about a lot of things and there were things that just weren't going to fly and I knew it. And they kind of let me know. And I, I knew after that first one, I'm like, I said to my wife, I'm like, well, they're not going to have me back out here. I think I'm like, shoot Jones. And sure enough, they had me come back out. I'm like, well, I guess I did some right. And then, I, you know, I was kind of the same way. I was just honest, like I would be here on this show or if I was on your podcast or something. So, uh, I, and I felt like there was definitely a line there where, look, they're, they're, they're a billion-dollar partner with WWE. So, they, they you know, they're, they're smart men and women they don't want to piss off wwe and WWE don't wwe doesn't want to piss them off so the talent is in between this i don't care if you're an a booker if you're if you're page if you're you know if you're cm punk you're all in the middle of this thing so you got to figure that out and that's hard that's hard to do i'm telling you from experience that's hard to do you know it's like there's a line you can draw but where is that line you know and then do you go over that line too far and next thing you know <clears throat> you're out on your ass you know what i mean so that's what you got to be careful of and, and and i sense that right away there well i'll tell you i um i think it's a little different in that 
if i'm if i'm fox i don't give a shit if i'm pissing off wwe i'm spending a billion dollars i don't have to play nice you know i know they want to i know that's how you forge relationships but at the end of the day you know fox is writing the check they ought to get to pick the groceries and you know i do want to take back something i said i i didn't realize that fs1 i guess is the people who put together the nfl sunday show that's really a good show i do watch well, that, that oh you're right that is i do too actually i forgot that yes i yeah yes yes they do and do also, a good job uh, the ultimate fighter is a good show so i was busting balls a little earlier but i will say this the skip so wait, hold on a second hold on so you you just busted on david r careful walking shit back now you just did right here well, no, no. I, I said everything on those channel sucks, and everything does except those few shows I just mentioned. But like UFC tonight, I'm a massive UFC fan, but UFC right. tonight is unnecessary. It, it just is, and I feel like this backstage show is just unnecessary. But you're in an unwinnable position if you're FS1. Goddamn, you got to fill 24 hours with new content every fucking day. Like that's such a big task. And by the way, me busting on the channel, it's not to disrespect your great friend and mine jacob Ullman, who's one of the executives over there who's always been super gracious with me i met him through jr and it's just always been an absolute pleasure to hang out with However, great guy great guy uh i'm not a fan of skip and shannon oh okay well they're 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 on their personalities you know they're sports guys and you know uh yeah, yeah more, that's more people are listening to this podcast than watching their show wow, wow. i'm just saying it's but at the same time, though, like I've no- I don't listen. I don't know if that was a passive aggressive shot at my podcast or if that was a direct ball shot to those guys. Here's a tweet from Richard Dine. She says, uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse versus Skip and Shannon on FS1. Skip and Shannon drew 137,000 viewers. The rerun of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse did 633,000. Oh my lord! Or uh, someone smart. Uh, uh, one of my old Southern friends said, "Lord, <laughs> Lord, Lord." Yeah. So, so, yeah. Here's the deal, though: forty nine thousand views. That's not why FS One. You know, like nobody wants that. I, you have ten times that, more than ten times that, in Twitter followers. If you sent out a poop emoji, more people would see your poop than they would have seen that episode of right. WWE backstage. So they needed to do something different. And I, I think they should bring in Dave Meltzer. I think they should bring in CM Punk. Let's give the wrestling fans what they really want instead of saying, find out if David Arquette can cut a really nice promo about Booker yeah. T. After I don't, brother, listen, man, I'm just telling you, I, all my whole summer was around this, and it's, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, okay, <laughs> I think that Fox should pull the deal. You know, if, if, you, can't, if you can't put together programming that's actually going to get viewers and you can get a return on your investment, then you should just cancel the investment. So that's a friend of mine told me, I, I, I was, what's the guy named covers MMA? Uh, he's really good. Mario, Mario, Anali, what's his, that's, um, what's his name? The, the, the big time reporter who covers all the, all the MMA stuff. What's his name? Oh, Mar- was, no, no, no. You're talking about Ariel Hawani? Yes, Ariel Hawani. Yes, correct. When he was on that Fox MMA show, I, I believe they canned him. It's because he went a little too far and UFC got upset. Am I correct? Probably. I think I'm correct. Somebody told me, dude, you got to be careful. That's going to be you if you get this gig with these guys. I'm like, oh, you might be right. <laughs> so, 
you know, nah, I, it's just, look, I, I wish them all the best. And, and I had fun out there. They treated me, they treated me great. They did, but you know, whatever. And I, I think Punk's a great addition. And I think that, um, as long as they let him be himself and he's on every once in a while and he can, he can, you know, be himself. I think it will be good. Like you said, what he did last night sounded pretty cool. You know, when he's calling him out for some bad stuff, um, real quick before we wrap up, brother, the, uh, so obviously, you know, NWA had some stuff go down when they dropped this show where with, um, Jim Cornette, you know, uh, resigned basically from the company because he said uh, said some disrespectful things and said some comments and some, you know, it was, I, I ended up finally hearing it, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, Jim's an outspoken guy and, you know, and I, I listen, I, I know Jim, I, I don't talk to him a lot at all. Um, I worked for Smoky Mountain years ago. I crossed paths him a little bit in TNA. Um, always, he was on my show once, way, several years ago. Uh, always was really cool to me, so I, I have no no heat with him. But I did hear what he said, and you know he said this before in the past on TV for WWF, I believe in 1995. He said this during the NWA, the, the heyday of the NWA was probably what late 80s with Big Bubba and Jim and, and the Midnight Express on camera with your boy Tony Schiavone holding the microphone. The same line. I'm not going to repeat the line here, and I'd rather you not repeat it, but. The the line just the, those t- some of these words that were I don't want to say they were okay years ago because they weren't but it's a different time now things are different and you got to you got to be a little I'm not yeah, Jim can do what he wants he's a big boy but I'm just saying you got to be a little you, you know you can't do what he did and expect to to keep a job. No, dude, I agree. You know, I mean, uh, you hate to see it and uh, it's unfortunate. I hated to see it. I hated to hear it. It's just it just fucking sucks all the way around and. um you know, I've enjoyed seeing the show grow and I think, you know, the world of what they're trying to do and bring back studio wrestling. And this was definitely a dark cloud and, you know, it shouldn't have made air, but it did. And it offended right. people. And I wish it wouldn't have man. And, and, Dude, and by I, the way, that's through the studio wrestling shit. I'm a big mock for that, bro. I love it. No, I do too. And I think it's different and it's needed and it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's cool. And they've got a cool pay-per-view coming up and. You know, I hate that this has, you know, brought like a dark cloud over them and what they're doing right now. And I know that Jim likes to say controversial things and funny things and interesting things, but we just got to be better than that, especially in 2019. And, you know, I feel bad for everybody who was offended and, and, you know, the boys who work there, because now, you know, a lot of the talent, they're going to get painted with this unnecessarily. And that's not fair. It's not good for anybody. It's a fucking lose, lose, lose situation. Well, listen, you're right. Okay, and I agree with everything you're saying. And, and uh, it's on with an upper. They got to just try and keep plugging away. They're doing a good job. They got good talent, lot, you know, really good wrestlers on that thing. You know, Melina debuted for them, which was a great, great deal. She's a great girl, tremendous, tremendous talent. So it's nice to see that. It's a shame that this kind of overshadowed that. But because that was a, a really cool moment for, for NWA. And I think they're doing a great job with it. And hopefully it just keeps on rock and rolling, keeps on growing. I hope that their pay-per-view in December kicks ass also. I'll be watching, and uh, if you got Fight TV, you should be watching too. All right. Um, so I'm trying to think. Is anything we covered everything? I think we covered everything else, right? I think we did. We're good on everything. I think we didn't miss anything. No, we're good, right? I think we're good, Bubba. Okay. So um, anyway, well, look, what do you got coming up? What's next? You got on show? Whose show? Eighty three weeks. What are you doing? What are you doing next? Man, we're just covered up with shows. That's what we are. Uh, on Thursday, which is today. Uh, an hour from now or right now, since you're at the end of the show, you can go check out the brand new grill and JR and tomorrow 
It's all about something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Come next Monday, we'll be back at you with Eric Bischoff for 83 weeks. A little more Arn action on Tuesday. And next Wednesday, before you watch AEW Dynamite and WWE's NXT, you should definitely check out What Happened When with Tony Schiavone. All right, bro. Listen, we'll do it again. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks again, bro. I appreciate you, man. No, thank you, sir. You're the best, bro. You're the best. All right, guys. And everybody who uh, downloaded the show, who checked out this episode, I appreciate you very much. And and uh, on behalf of Comrade Thompson and myself, thanks so much. And if you're not subscribed to the show, please hit subscribe. Real simple deal. Thanks for all the love for all these years. Much appreciated. All right, guys. I'm Taz. You're not. Talk to you guys soon. my space and screen names back then when i was only worried about my top friends now my circle is getting smaller all these people acting fake man and to be honest i don't even have a top 10 me against the world i've been doing what i really love haters been hiding behind the screen man they movie cuts and when i'm back at home it never feels the same cause we've been doing our own thing trying to stay up i want to go back to days with no Instagram page, but these likes